Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Musgrove, joined today by John Gibson. Great to have the band back together. We've had a few weeks off, so it's great to be back talking with John about Newcastle United. We uh, record this on the back of Newcastle's 1-0 win over Bournemouth in the League Cup. John, it wasn't pretty, but Newcastle were effective in what they had to do, and that was secure a place in the quarterfinals of the competition. Yeah, I mean, in the the last two rounds, we've got through on penalties, and we've got through with an own goal, and I couldn't care less, because the bottom line of the sentence is that we got through. And far too often, um, you know, we haven't. And I don't like being good losers. I like being uh, good winners. And, you know, and but let us be truthful. I felt, yes, it wasn't an epic display, et cetera, et cetera. But it was never going to be after six weeks or whatever it was. You know, that's why it was good to get this game before we go to Leicester. Uh, But I still felt that over the 90 minutes, Newcastle United deserved to win. They didn't come out to play until they were 1-0 down. Um, yeah. two, banks of, two banks of four defend and try to break quickly. That was their game. And um, we had all the game. We had an offside goal when Wilson scored and Willock was offside. We hit the woodwork a couple of times. All that was missing was the, the final third. Um, but the best team won. Yeah, I, I, I agree with what, what you said there, John. I, I think for me... I was quite grateful, though, that the full-time whistle came because I felt the more the game went on, Bournemouth just looked slightly more threatening. I, if it was a, an opposition yeah. of quality, I think Newcastle would have conceded. There was, I know Pope made a really good save at the end and then virtually the last kick of the game, there was a wonderful ball over the back post and the, and the, 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 the midfielder, the striker, whoever it was, just couldn't control it. If he'd brought that down, he was then one-on-one again with Yeah, but they didn't bring it down. That's the that's the whole point. They, from my point of view, they had nothing to lose. Once you won, if they'd come and played like that from the start, we might have had problems. But they decided, hold, hold, hold. I'm not suggesting they were playing for penalties, but as long as they stayed not not, they were well in the game. They were quite happy to do that and try to to break with pace. They showed no adventure until it was one nil. And if you're going in a cup tie into the final 10 minutes and you're only 1-0 up, you will get the, the side that's losing having a go at you and you hanging on. But what you've got to remember as well is we've got the meanest defence in the Premier League. So I wasn't too concerned. And I tell you what, Botman was magnificent. I mean, his game, his all-round game has been good since he came, but that's as good as he's been in the air. Uh, he's not necessarily been huge in the air. He's been very competent. But he's more known for his passing on the floor. But his dominant, his dominant situation in the air, etc. Last night in hope, I Pope, I have so much admiration for because the way Newcastle play, he doesn't have, he's not under the cush for ninety minutes, and that often that's the way a good goalkeeper stays good and sharp because he's got a lot of work to do. He is not 
But when he's called for the odd key save, he makes a magnificent leap and he hasn't been busy. So his concentration and his reflexes are wonderful. And he made a couple of superb saves at the end, never having been called upon. And one of the reasons we've got the meanest defence is because of Bachman and because of, of Pope. And I thought they both excelled last night. I, it would have been a travesty of justice if, if, if Bournemouth had nicked one then won a penalty shootout or whatever. But we were short of our high standards. But the stats are still terrific. The stats of win, lose and draws for Newcastle mm. this season. And then the quarterfinals. And by the way, here's a little omen for you. The only time Newcastle United have appeared in a League Cup final, 1976, you'll recall. I'll remember because I'm an old enough so-and-so to have actually been sitting in the press box that day. We got to the semi-final by winning 1-0 at Newcastle at St James's Park with an own goal. And we've just won 1-0 to get to the quarterfinals at St James's Park with an own goal. We played Notts County down at down in December 1975, exactly to the month, December 1975, Eric McManus, the Notts County goalkeeper, long throw in by Super Mac, he fumbled it into his own net. We won 1-0. Last night, their skipper makes a big mistake because he's panicking about where's Callum Wilson and heads into his own nest. Well, all I'm looking for, if that's a lucky omen, we get to Wembley, but this time we'll go one step further. And by the way, vitally important that Shea Given does us a great favour Thursday night when he's drawn, making the draw for the quarterfinals. If he's on the home team, I want him to pull our number out. And if he's on the way team, I don't want him to pull our number out because I don't want him to be playing away. So come on, Shay, it's up to you. You owe us. Do the job. Supermark did 40-odd years ago when he had the long throw for the fumble. Now you do it when it comes to the draw. Because if we keep away from the winners of Man City-Liverpool, which will just have happened, and say Manchester United away... And I'm not meaning that's impossible, but you just forget them, then we're cooking on gas. Hmm. No, 100%. It's going to be interesting to see who Newcastle do draw out of the hat. You mentioned there Sven Botman, and Eddie Howe was full of praise for Botman after the game. He said, Absolutely. Botman was excellent tonight. I thought that was his best game for us early. He dominated against their strikers. His use of the ball this season has been excellent, but he's also come on a lot in other areas. It was a good night for him and us. And he doesn't, Eddie Howe doesn't often single players out for praise. He's he's very much the team, the team. Yes, he and he is. does go on yes, later in, in the press conference, obviously, to do that. But it, it, I think it is quite rare for him to come out and, and single out a player for, for praise, individual praise. It is. He's one of these managers, and good for him. This is meant as a compliment. But you could, you could ask him about anybody, and they're wonderful. Um, everybody's wonderful, aren't they? Chris, uh, Chris Wood's the most valuable player we've got because he does this, that, and the other, etc., etc. That's good man management. That's for in-house consumption, not really for the fans. Um, but he went that step further with Botman. He was actually voluntary praising him. And it was significant, I felt, what he said because he was dominant in the air. And that is not normally his game. 
that's Dan Burns' game when he's playing centre-half, uh, being dominant in the air. It's not necessarily Botman's, it's his ability on the floor when he comes out and timing his tackles and when he comes out with the ball. But I thought he was terrific last night. Mm-hmm. And I just yeah. admire Pope so much because he hasn't saves to make. And that's a definition of a great goalkeeper. When he hasn't a save to make in an hour and a half, and then he makes a blinder because yeah, he's kept gone, his concentration. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, that's why he's Newcastle as number one. Um, I mean, the game itself, I felt like Newcastle were, were dominant for most parts, John, without really having that clinical edge. I mean, 63% possession, 17 shots, five on target. You know, they should have had a, they should have had a couple more goals. I mean, Wilson got one ruled out. I'm still not sure what it was ruled out for. Some are saying offside. Well, ever, saying a foul. I'm not... I mean, Wilson, no, Wilson did... Ever so well, but well, he, but he does, doesn't he? In the way he finishes, Willick was. It was turned out that Willick was offside and supposedly interfering with play during the chaos in the box. Uh, it was you know, when you watch the when you watch the replay back, and I've only seen it a couple of times. I'm not entirely sure that he, he was actually offside anyway. I, I don't disagree that if he was, you could probably see he was uh, interfering in play. I get that because he does try and he, he does try and stop the ball. But actually, when you watch the replay taken from the um, the Melbourne stand, to me, he didn't look he didn't look offside well, to me. The word the word that came back in the press box from on high was that Willett was judged to be offside and in, factionally, but factionally doesn't matter in interviewing with play. Um, also, of course, League Cup, no VAR etc. So whatever the, the linesman says and the ref says stands. It's like the old days, isn't it? That's the way it used to always be. So it doesn't matter if the replay show he was factionally offside or not. The decision of the linesman, and if you recall, it was the linesman. There was a delayed effect where Wilson celebrated, Newcastle celebrated, and all of a sudden Bournemouth are pointing to the liner. The ref goes across, and all of a sudden somebody's offside. Um and it was just as well that didn't cost the game, but it might have changed the game if Newcastle had scored at that stage. All they were missing were goals, but wasn't it significant, by the way? And it shows for me how much how realises what winning a trophy can do for Newcastle because they haven't won a domestic one since 1955, for goodness sake. His team selection last night told me everything. Donkeys years ago, when Rod Hullard's team selection come out, for a derby match against Sunderland and he had Duncan Ferguson and Alan Shearer on the bench and had a young lad called Robinson playing centre-forward on his own against Sunderland and we lost the derby. When I saw that team sheet before the game, I said, that's your resignation there, right there with the team sheet. Uh, And when I got the team sheet last night, I thought, you know, that that was... In theory, the strongest side he was able to put out, every single one of them, including Callum Wilson, who everyone was saying will not only not play against Bournemouth, but might play at Leicester. And then all of a sudden, there he is playing centre-forward last night. And there's Almiron, and there's everybody. Forget what he did with the um, <coughs> the game against the Spanish side, the friendly. Uh, so that was a statement of intent for me. Um, and it, it's just that, well, it worked because it would have been not... To, and also, for me, winning last night was doubly important. We want to stay in this competition because it's infinitely winnable when you look at what else is left. But also, 
we didn't want to come back after 30 odd days of not playing with a defeat and we couldn't draw because you had to be a winner and a loser last night. So we didn't want to go down to Leicester to resume the Premier League on the back of a defeat. You know, reality sinks in, oh dear me. We don't, but this is a mood setter which says normal service has been resumed. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, in the build-up, Sean Longstaff was talking about that winning mentality that's been installed. And it's now, what, seven wins on the bounce in all competitions and beating in 12. You know, they are, they've got that momentum behind them. Of course, One, one defeat in 18 all season. Fantastic, that, isn't it? That's absolutely incredible. Mind you, I've got a feeling this will be tested at Leicester. Yeah, when they, sounds... they picked up. Form, haven't they? I mean, what they've they've won four out of their last five, and then and in the oh, league, and I mean, then they won this last is night as well. I mean, if we got Leicester two months ago, it would have been how many? Now it's a tough game. Uh, forget the league table. I mean, I looked at their record. Their record, Andrew, they lost six and drew one of the first seven Premier League games. Lost six and drew one. Since then. They've won five, drawn one, and lost only two of their next eight. What a transformation that is. And by the way, they've got some good players, and their best player we would like. Madison is, has run them, and he was significantly left out of the League Cup last night, and I think he'll be back to play against us. And But then there's Tielemans, there's Barnes, there's Jewish Hall. They've got good players. Vardy mm. is not quite like that anymore. You can't. He's a bit like Ronaldo, isn't he? He's at that stage of his career. He's been a wonderful goal scorer, but not anymore, but can't be dangerous if he's flung on for 20 minutes at the end. But he's not the leading man now. Madison's the leading man now. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting game and we'll talk more about Leicester yeah. later in the show. Um, just on, on Callum Wilson, he didn't get that many minutes in, in the World Cup and then when he left the camp, there was concern. Um, whether uh, he, he would, like you said, John, make last night's game, would he be fit for the game against against Leicester? Um, obviously, he played in the League Cup. But do you think he looked a bit rusty, a bit hesitant, or do you think he did all right? I think he did all right. I mean, he's one of these guys, you know, he defies logic in every way that's possible. He's injured far too often, which is defying logic. Players aren't injured as often as him, but he is. But what's even more astounding is when he comes back, he hits the ground running. You know, you get players that take time to acclimatise to the pace of the game, etc., etc. Wilson just seems to slot back in. He did fine. He didn't do brilliant. But I think nobody from the from Bruno forward did brilliant. Um, but he did fine. And he did what he does. I mean, the way he finished on the goal that was choked off for the offside was wonderful. That's what he does. Um, and he does it well. Uh, and he'll have benefited by having that game because he, he was involved, I think, in England's first two games and then not anymore. So he needed a game. And yes, he, unless he trips over a, a dandelion that suddenly come up despite the weather at, uh, at the training camp, he'll play against Leicester because it, it was a week away and he didn't come off injured. He'd come off uh, like Almiron and the rest to be rested for the game at Leicester because the game was won for us. And it was an opportunity to put Yeshelvies and everybody else onto the field, Murphy, 
to give them a few minutes because we're all building up after a big break. But yes, I think he did okay. And I tell you what, he's crucial to us with Isaac, with the information on Isaac. And I'm I'm uncomfortable about Isaac at the moment. I mean, the injury's been a lot worse than we expected. And there has been a couple of setbacks. There's absolutely no question about that. Because we thought he would be absolute. And we thought weeks ago he'd play out in Saudi. He would get a little bit of the friendly against the Spanish club and then play tonight, uh, last night. No any other, uh, you know, and as long as he's injured, it's crucial that we keep uh, Callum fit because there's no one else that will score goals. Yeah, I agree. I, mean, forward, it doesn't, it, I think everyone agrees that Callum Wilson is absolutely crucial and people that listen to this podcast will know I, I I'm a big advocate for another striker to come in in January because I do feel without Callum Wilson, they haven't really got an out-and-out goal scorer. Of course, we haven't seen too much of Isaac and there's a bit of I think that's there. what I think they see Isaac is, is, is the answer to Wilson. When he, when he was bought for £60 million, yes, he can play in other positions, etc., etc., but he was the cover. And he's still the cover now because he's still in, like a new signing. He's like a January signing when he comes back. He's only played three games. And we kind of remember them because they were that long ago. Uh, so he was like a new signing. But the worry is, Andrew, the end of that sentence, when he comes back, how long's that? How long's mm. a piece of string? We can't wait too long. If if Wilson falls over his bootlaces at Leicester, then we're in trouble. That's always going to be the, the risk, I guess. You, we all know Callum Wilson's injury record. Isaac's unfortunately been hit with injuries as well. It, it, it is a big gamble, but fingers crossed Wilson doesn't pick up another injury and Isaac is, is back in the new year. Um, we'll have a, just a, a quick chat about some of the chances that came in the game. Um, we had uh, Almiron should have scored. Absolute sit. I'm not sure what he was what he was doing. A lot of people... There's a criticism coming from you, Mr Musgrove. I think he got caught in two minds, didn't he? I think he was thought about squaring it and he should have uh, He should have just put his foot through it because it was an open goal. A lot of people, John, are asking, though, where are you with your application for the Miggy fan club? Are you still not in the post? No. Well, after last night, I've taken the stamp off the envelope and just retaining it to see what happens. I always said I want him to do it longer than six weeks. Uh, and I'm not having a go at him because what a lovely first half of the season he's had. But um, he looked more of the Miggy of old last night than the Miggy of new. But then again, so did a lot when it came to finishing. And, you know, that's absolutely no criticism because he's been on fire this season. Well, how important was it to have a competitive game before the Premier League kicks off? And Crucial. I know Leicester have had the same as well. So you, you, it's been really important, has it, to have a game where you want to win, you need to win because you want to go further in the competition. I think, yes, we just got lucky there because if we'd been out of the competition, we wouldn't have had that competitive game. And you're quite right. Don't include the game with the Spanish side, etc., etc. Friendlies are a whole different ballgame. This had to be won last night. And you know what, what? I've already complimented Eddie on the team he picked last night and said how seriously he's taken the League Cup because he put out literally every one of his first team from 1 to 11. But he also, I believe he did it not just because he wants to win the League Cup, but because they all needed that competitive game to get back into the groove. And hopefully when we go to Leicester, you know, one or two, it'll look 
more sharp, be back to what they were, especially the front players, especially people like uh, Miggy and, and Callum Wilson, who we rely on those two for goals. Uh, they didn't look full of goals last night, but they'll have done well to get their, it wasn't 90 minutes, 70 minutes, whatever they got. That'll have helped them. And uh, it was necessary. Yeah, 100%. I think just good to shake off any rustiness um, ahead of that, that Leicester game. Just a shame that Leicester had a game as well to to get exactly the same benefits out of it. Um, yeah, but but they played MK Dons and we played another Premier League club. So we might have got more benefit because the, the competition was higher because we were playing a club from the Premier League. One man that came off the bench and he once again, as always, just gets the crowd off their seats was Alan St. Maxman. He can't seem to get into the start in eleven. Um he's been in and around, you know, he's been he's been on the bench, hasn't he, for the for the, the, the well before the break, um, again on the bench last night. Did he do enough, John, to force his way into the start eleven for against Leicester, or do we see Joe Linton remaining in that side on, on that left? If it was up to me, and it isn't, I always say that, because second-guessing Eddie Howe would take some doing. I mean, who guessed second-guessed Eddie Howe's bench against the Spanish side in the um, in the friendly, when every one of them was a Ben? And who guessed the side that he put out last night, that he put out as strong a side as that, and Callum Wilson would start? I mean, nobody can guess Eddie Howe. But if I was Eddie Howe, I, for what it's worth, would start St. Maximum down at Leicester and move Joe Linton into midfield and leave Willock out. Because I think Joe Linton, his physicality, his height, his power uh, is of great benefit to our midfield. In I think the team can benefit more with him in that position than him out wide running up and down the, the tram line. Um, and I would put, in, especially for the sort of game with Leicester with their tails up, I would put Joe Linton in the midfield in place of Willick and I would bring Son Maximum in to play wide left because he gets people out of seats. And if people get excited, so does opposition. But it's not excitement, it's terrified. And he might run up his own trouser leg on occasions, etc., etc. But he's got something that's a bit different. I think he realises he's got to prove himself. I mean, under Steve Bruce, he was the number one man. He was plan A, B and C. Uh, give the ball to, to Maxi and then that's it. Get the cigars out and wait till he's finished and then try to get the ball back and give it to Maxi again. He's not the number one man now. There's Miggy scoring goals, there's Callum Wilson, there's Bachman at the back, there's Pope at the back, there's Bruno running the midfield. He's not the number one man anymore, and I, but I think he wants to buy into that. And I think he's ready to play again. He's ready to start again. Having, I mean, his last home game that he started before last night was Man City, and what was that performance like? I mean, it was nothing short of sensational. And he didn't produce it again at Wolves the next week, but he produced a sensational equaliser to keep the record for Newcastle if only losing once all season. I would start him and I would put Joe Linton in midfield, but goodness knows what Eddie would do. I thought what was interesting against Bournemouth, especially towards the end, there was times when St Maxwell was actually back in the box, you know, defending and carrying yes. the ball away. He which did. is, I think, because a lot of the debate is about that 
defensive balance and whether someone else can offer a bit more going back because we know the work Miggy does when he, he goes out and helps him defend. And Maxi uh, has this reputation where he's not going to help the left back as much, if at all. But I thought last night in, 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 and in the games this season, John, where we've seen him, uh, where he's been given minutes, his defensive side has improved. I mean, it's not there drastically. It's not on the level of, of Almiron, um, but it, it has improved. And, and that'll be down to him buying into what Eddie Howe wants to do, but yeah. also Eddie Howe working and selling it to St. Maxman. It's always difficult, Andrew. Uh, you, when you get somebody that's clever on the ball, uh, so he's got potential going forward in all his game, his pluses are all attacking the final third. It becomes difficult. Even when you go to the world superstar, the bloke that's got Sam Maximum's position in the French side's Mbappe. Now, that should make Sam Maximum a blanche because he's the greatest player. But I tell you what, you never see him run back over the halfway line. He does... Mind, he's that good, he doesn't have to. You don't see Messi do a lot of tracking back. Ginola used to get a cigar out when he was on the wing in, in Beresford behind him when he signed for us, was six foot three. And when he played after playing behind Ginola, he was three foot six because you did that much work. It, it is difficult to get some of the genius players to work. There have been exceptions. The biggest, I think, was the wonderful Ferguson side where, when he had Beckham on one wing and and Ryan Giggs on the other. Two superstars. They tracked back, you know. There were two superstars, but they tracked back. They did as much running towards our own goal as they did the other way. You see uh, Giggs when he scored against Arsenal in the Cup, that wonder goal where he ran round with a, with a shirt above his head. How far he ran? Because he was in a defensive position to start. So, yes, I think Maxi has improved on that. The difficulty you've got is changing people's mentality when they are forward thinkers, changing Maxi's mentality, trying to change Ginola's mentality. Kevin Keegan didn't mind because he was a 4-3 manager. He just wanted him to attack. He wanted his centre-half to attack. I mean, we had the best attacking centre-half in the Premier League in Philip Albert. Um, but it is always difficult. Mbappe won't break, uh, break sweat going back. And that's a minus for the French side, by the way. Uh, for all he's a genius, can he, the, the little work he does going back is not a good thing. But yes, they all suffer from that. And it's changing their mentality. And of course, I'm not suggesting for one moment some maximums Mbappe or, or Ginola or, um, uh, or Giggs or Beckham at their level. But he has that mentality set in his mind that it's all about the halfway line to the edge of their box rather than the other way on. But I think there's significant change now. I think you're right, Andrew. The, the, we've seen little things that suggest the pennies dropping that you've you've got to keep checking back. Yeah, and you know when he gets the ball going forward, as we say, fans get off their seats and defend defenders are absolutely terrified. They don't know which well, way he's going to go. There was two on him last night every time he broke. And it's, and it's an absolute joy to watch. But also what the other good thing is, is when you when Alan Maxman is, is on the pitch, as you alluded to, John, under Steve Bruce in the early days as well under Eddie Howe, it was very much give the ball to Alan St. Maxman. He's the man who's going to you know win you this game. He's going to create things. But now what you see is that it's not going 
all the time to him because you have Bruno in the middle, you have Miggy on the other side, you have Joe Linson marauding forward, you You've have Callum on the other forward. side, exactly. And you know, you look at maybe like when Ronaldo was starting those games for Portugal, it was very much give the ball to him, he's the man, they were always looking towards him. And it, it, it that as good as a player he, as he is, that's a downside. You don't want one man in the team where the players feel we've got to give it to him. And it's really refreshing in this Newcastle site to see people who are willing to step up are willing to carry the ball forward and willing to say, do you know what? We don't always have to pass it out there. It's, it's much more of a, a team game, I think, now at Newcastle United. Well, the, the mentality that we had under Bruce with Maxi, give the ball to Maxi and then we'll all wait and see what he does. That is always the mentality of a bottom half team. Have one good player and he's your out and you just try to go through him. The minute you're a top three team, which we are at this moment, and long may it remain so, you don't have, you don't get to third top with that sort of mentality um, of just having one guy give it to him and let him play off the cuff. That doesn't work. And, you know, Maxi wanted to improve and felt that he wanted to be, he should be in a better team. You know, the famous phrases if I had better players around me, this was a while back, I would have more assists, more goals. And, well, he has better players around him now. Uh, and this is when the penny's got to drop for him and he's got to say to himself, I've got to track back. And I've also got to get forward. And I've also got to get my head up when I do get forward because I'm not. I'm no longer the number one man, standalone man. I've got Wilson that's playing like that. I've got Bruno in midfield, Trippier bombing down the right-hand side in support of Almeiden, etc., etc. It's not just all about me. And that can be a huge advantage to Maxi if he buys into it. And I've got no reason to think he won't buy into it. Yeah, fingers crossed he does, because on his day, when he's bought into it, he's pretty much unstoppable and it's so exciting to watch um before i ask you the big question john on whether newcastle can actually win this cup uh, we don't want to jinx it um me and uh, aaron stokes were just talking in the office before i jumped on here with you um to talk about billing we thought billing the uh, the midfielder in the bournemouth team we thought he played really well the last time bournemouth came up in september and that horrendous 1-1 draw and i thought last night he he looked absolutely superb and you know it's it's it, it's reported Newcastle are in the market for another central midfielder. Um, well, the amount of times I've seen this guy play, I wouldn't be uh, too against him rocking up in January. I wouldn't be against loads of people rocking up in January. Um, I, we're playing another one on Saturday. I wouldn't be against Madison rocking up in January. Um, and I think he might be superb on Saturday on Monday, heaven forbid. Uh, but I think he might. Um, I just have a little smile about uh, what's going to happen in uh, in January because it makes the world go round, doesn't it? It certainly made the last six weeks go round while the World Cup's been on, speculating. I don't think there'll be a huge amount happening in January, you know. I think the next big splurge, if, if real transfer activity, will be in the summer again. I think we'll get a young right-back that will cover... Because Kraft is out for a long time. I think we'll get a young right back that'll cover Trippier. I'm talking about, and age will be very important in that. He'll be young 20s, so they'll build into the side. But whether we get Madison, whether we get a superb centre forward, having spent 60 million on Isaac, etc., etc., I suggest we may not do too much in the transfer market. 
I mean, interesting those reports about a midfielder, central midfielder. A lot of people praising Sean Longstaff. You know, a lot of people praising his, his work rate, his the way he covers the distance. A lot of people saying he's back to his best. Would you agree with that? Well, I think the interesting thing for, for Sean Longstaff is that in the past, Newcastle midfield would have been nailed on to be Bruno, Joe Linton and Willock, wouldn't it? In, with him as the backup for them when there's an injury. Uh, but he has done well enough in there, in the eyes of Eddie L, for Joe Linton to be utilised as a left-sided attacker in the front three. And that's only because of the job that Longstaff's done, without a shadow of doubt. Um, there's as many fans I find ready to criticise him as there is ready to give him uh, great praise. You know, one pace, one's too long on the ball before he makes his mind up, etc., uh, etc. Et and I think that can be a bit harsh and it's very difficult when you're a local lad coming into a side um, because the emphasis is on, you know, Joe Linton and Bruno. The two Brazilians in midfield makes it difficult for him to... But from his point of view, he's forced his way. I mean, he could have been sold a little while back. He's now not just a, an important squad member, but he's an important team member at the moment in Eddie Howe's eyes. And that's the man that matters, Eddie Howe, and he's impressed Eddie Howe. And by the way, I'm suggesting that if on Monday when we go to Leicester, that we leave Willock out to bring Joe Linton back in, not Longstaff. Mm. I mean, that, that speaks volumes, doesn't it? Do you think, John, the fact that he is... A local lad, he's a Newcastle United fan. Does that does that put more pressure on him to step up his game, or is that more motivation to step up? His I don't. Game? I, it should be motivation for him. I don't think it puts pressure on him. I think what it does is make fans more not cynical, but more like, oh, he's a local kid. He's all right, but Bruno's the star. He's in the Brazilian squad. And Joe Linton, big Joe Linton, eight foot six. Looks the way he is. He's another Brazilian, etc., etc. That you just, <clears throat> unless you have a Gaza or, or a Waddle or a Beardsley in that wonderful time at the beginning of the 80s when we had all three as young men, they were exceptional. But unless you're them, it's harder for you to come accepted by the fans. The fans will look at our midfield and the, the first thing they'll talk about Bruno, the second thing they'll talk about when he is in the midfield is Joe Linton. Um, and then they, there'll be a remembrance. Oh, yes, and Longstaff's in there. It, it, I think it becomes difficult for local players of talent, but not outrageous talent like Gascoigne and, and Beardsley. Uh, it becomes difficult for them to become established with the fans. The accusation that young players always had at Newcastle over donkey's years is that Going right back to when we had Pop Robson as a young player and he felt this greatly and what a wonderful career he had when he went off to West Ham. I in Sunderland, let's say. Um, but there's a feel it's very difficult to be accepted by the fans as a superstar when you've been brought up in the ranks because they like to see big names bought in. Like Bruno's was, like Trippier was, like... Etc. 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 So I think it becomes it doesn't put pressure on Longstaff, but it becomes more difficult for him to be readily accepted. We're good to see him, if not at his best, working back towards his best. Um, 
Can you cast United win the League Cup then, John? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and that's why we should take it seriously, and we are, and that's why the team is put up. For goodness sake, we're in the quarterfinals, which is the last eight, and if you take the two Manchesters out, this is presuming Manchester City beat Liverpool, but if you take the two Manchesters out, there's nothing else to worry about. So, I mean, you could go, you could get to Wembley without facing Manchester City or Manchester United or Liverpool if they beat City. You could avoid them in the draw and get to Wembley and you haven't played a great side till you got there. By the way, that's what we did in 98-99 in the FA Cup. We avoided big sides all the way to Wembley. Then we got Arsenal on the double and Manchester United on the treble and got well smacked both times. So the difficulty does come. But of course it's winnable. There's no, there's no Arsenal anymore. Arsenal are top of the league. Doubt of this competition, Chelsea, whatever they do, are a big side. Doubt of this competition, Spurs, whatever they do, have Harry Kane and Song. Doubt of this competition, is it winnable? It's more winnable than it's ever been. Hmm. I'm just going to run through the. And by the way, it's more winnable than it's ever been because Newcastle are genuinely a good side as well. Yeah, and taking it seriously, as as you say. Um. So the teams that are already in the hat, um, Leicester City, of course, Newcastle, Southampton, Wolves, yep. and the teams that will play tonight, which is Wednesday. You've got Blackburn and Forest taking each other on, Charlton and, and Brighton, you've Manchester United and Burnley, and then Manchester City and Liverpool. So, you know, you're looking there, you're looking maybe those hoping... Last, those last two matches, Andrew, that you mentioned, which is uh, Manchester United, Burnley, and Sydney, Man, Liverpool. Yeah. What What are the lot that you've just talked about would scare you? Oh, to, to, to be fair, I don't think I. I mean, I don't think any of the, the teams we've mentioned there would, would necessarily Man City scare away wouldn't, fans. wouldn't please me too much. It wouldn't. It wouldn't please you, but I think I think that's the difference Eddie Howe has, has brought into Newcastle and instilled. Is that you're not necessarily going there with a fear. You're going there, understand maybe you're the underdogs, but I don't. I, I, where's Prior, you were going I don't in think and... there's a fear, but if we had to go to Manchester City away and it had to be decided on the night, 90 minutes and penalties, we can't bring them back here. That that would be the toughest draw that's physically possible it, to get. It would, but come You've on. You've got to remember we, we that it. when we were... I all this bravado is a load of old hoo-ha. Reality is what counts. And we, you can look at it two ways. We were truly magnificent to get 3-1 up against City here. Truly, truly magnificent. We've never played better. They still got back to 3-3 at the end, having been doused in a few cases. They got back to 3-3 and we wanted the final whistle. because. We're... And by the way, that was at St James's Park in front of 52,000. It wasn't at their place. So don't give me Man City away. I want Liverpool to beat Man City and then you're better off again because we owe Liverpool. I want Liverpool to play Man City and then perhaps in the semi-final we'll get them up here at some stage, etc, etc. But uh, Man City away, I think, for any team left in this competition, that is the highest yardstick. For any of the teams left, Man City. Because they've got two good sides. Their second eleven is almost as good as the first eleven. And do you want to face Haaland for an hour and a half in a cup? I would prefer not to. I'd prefer to have somebody else. So I'm realistic about them. Without saying it's impossible, that is, you're absolutely right there. Nothing's impossible the way it is. But you've also got to be realistic. 
and say we're going to lose sometime this season, as we did at Liverpool. Maybe it's Leicester for all we know. Maybe it's in the cup against Man City, but we're going to lose at sometime. That is odds on. In City are the sort of side that every team in the Premier League will look at and say they're tough to beat, whether it's in the Premier League, the FA Cup or the League Cup. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, well, we'll be bringing you live coverage of the draw on chroniclelive.co.uk on Thursday evening. Um, if you're listening to this on Wednesday night, then the other games that I've mentioned there will be playing around that time. If you're watching this on YouTube on Thursday morning, then you will know um, which of the Wednesday sides are in the hat for the draw. Um, before we talk about Leicester, I'm just going to do some quick homework. So me and John also recording this for youtube as i've just mentioned uh, so to hit that subscribe button and um, you can see my wonderful festive jumper for those I listening say on you've the... won your bet there andrew you can take that off now mate you won the bet nope staying on it's, it's a tradition this is my my uh famous uh penguin jumper that i'm wearing for those listening on the podcast um john's just jealous that he can't pull something like this off that's what it is oh um, yes I, i'm absolutely decimated i'm praying i get that on christmas day I'll put it through your door for you, John. Um, oh, yeah, me. I've, I've just moved. <laughs> we've also got our live event tickets on sale for that now, which takes place on January the 26th, 2023. Tickets are free, uh, but you will need a ticket to gain access. It is taking place at the Tyneside Irish Centre. There are just 19 tickets left, and once it sells out, it sells out. So be quick. I'll pop the link to the tickets into the podcast description and the pod and the YouTube uh, description as well. And I'll point in the direction of the last Gibbo's Corner, which was the World Cup special, um, which was recorded just as the World Cup kicked off, didn't it, John? Um, people loved that. People loved all their memories about going around the world watching England. So that's still there. We know the World Cup's finished, but if you haven't listened to it, I do recommend going and taking a listen. I'll pop that link into the comments as well. Um, just quickly on the World Cup, John, that final, absolutely amazing. Sensational. The final itself was, I doubt, I mean, I've covered the World Cup since 1966 and I was in all the finals. Uh, 66 is the most emotional for us for obvious reasons. 70 was the big one for me because that was the greatest side I've ever seen in my life, the Brazilian side. Uh, if Pele and Jairzinho and Gerson and Tostau, that was the greatest side ever. But it wasn't the greatest final because it was so superior to Italy, the 1-4-1. But there were a much better side than both Argentina and, and France, that Brazilian side. But for excitement, for two teams evenly matched, going each, at each other for two hours and a penalty kickout, that was the best final has ever been as a spectacle because it beats the 71 because one team was so much above the other team it was wonderful to sit and watch that brazilian side 
but these were two sides going at each other. And you in two guys, Pele and Mbappé three goals, Messi two goals. I mean, it, it had everything. Um, it was riveting, uh, wonderful. Um, and of course, a lot of people will not be too chuffed because it uh, happened in Qatar uh, and therefore the World Cup had been uh, roundly condemned and we're not going into the politics of that. But uh, and isn't it ironic that not only that, but Qatar then produces the best final has ever been and the two guys, Mbappé and Messi, the scored, both play for Paris Saint-Germain who are Qatari on. So they'll think they've had a wonderful World Cup, but it, it, the final was fabulous and wonderful. Yeah, great spectacle, as you say. Um, like I say, go and listen to that Gibbles Corner, the World Cup special. It is well worth uh, a listen. Hit that follow button as well on your podcast provider and leave us a rating and review if you get the chance to do so. Then, John, Boxing Day is Leicester away. Yes. As you've already mentioned, if this had been a game a few months ago, Newcastle would have been overwhelming favourites. I still think they're coming to this game favourites, even though Leicester have had a brilliant run of form. And as you mentioned, they've got such talented players. I mean, you, you mentioned James Madison, but there's Yuri Tillemans, there's uh, there's Barnes. I mean, Isaiah Perez scored um, in, the, in the, the League Cup uh, when they beat MK Dons on the same night Newcastle uh, beat Bournemouth. They've got a host of really good players. And it's I, aside from facing Newcastle on Boxing Day, I, I quite like Leicester, and I'm quite happy to see them picking up form. I'm quite happy to see Brendan Rodgers uh, stay in his job, giving the backing, giving the support, and and proving that decision to be right. Of course, come Boxing Day, I want them to get badly beaten in Newcastle to win, but it's just refreshing. But they are, they are a good side, and Newcastle are going to have to be on top form to to beat them. Yeah, the most amazing thing about Leicester, wasn't it? Is the change in fortunes? I read out the the two recent records: lost six and drew one of the first seven. And if the next eight after that, the one five of them drew one and lost only two. And it it's the story behind the scenes of that that was staggering. I mean, Leicester were in disarray during the summer because there was talk that Ben Rogers had been told we're going to have to sell some players. Uh, they sold the centre-half, for example, the young fella in the Fafana. Um, we're going to have to sell some players and you're not going to get any in. And then all the good players, like Madison and Telemans and that, were looking to say, well, if Fafana's going and Schmeichel, the goalkeeper's going, and, you know, we want out as well. And the whole atmosphere imploded and it was terrible. And they lost six out of seven. They were awful. And you thought, how did they recover from this? But somehow... They've pulled themselves together, the top players, I mean, Madison, Tielemans, Barnes, Dewsbury Hall, etc. And they've sort of said, right, we're here at least until January or we're here for the whole season. We're going to play. We're not going to waste the season. We're actually going to play again. So having cried over spilt milk at the start of the season, they've now took up the cudgel again. And if they do... They're quality players. There's enough quality players for this to happen. And it has happened. And the man that's driven it all is the man that we all want here, which is Madison. I mean, how the heck he went to the World Cup and never got on the pitch for one second? Why bother taking him? If you're going to ask him to bring the cups of tea in for the boys on, a, on the morning of the match and, and you know, 
put all the uh, the dirty socks in the in the skip at the end of the game, then you know, a nonsense. He might just have changed the game because he's got that ability. Going on as a sub, he might have just changed instead of like for like subbing. But that's another matter. My worry is that he was really playing magnificent for Leicester before the break. He comes into this game not having played against the MK Dons. He knows Newcastle want them desperately. He knows exactly because with all the players do. And there's all sorts of things going on behind the scene. And then he wants to say, I'm going to show Newcastle I'm worth the 60 million. You come and get me. And he's running it up his trouser leg and ghosting past people and knocking it in the top corner. Two goals, one assist. Uh, we suffer as a consequence. We know you have a good player, Bonnie lad. Don't bother proving it to us on Monday and we'll come and get you on January the 1st. That would be a nice thought, but um, I don't think it'll work out quite that way. But he is a wonderful player, isn't he? He is a good player. And when they've got that sort of player, it isn't going to be easy for Newcastle. This game is a danger game. Because if you look at the table, they are still where they are. They're no longer in the bottom three, etc. Of course they're not. But it looks comfortable for us. And as you say, on form, we are the favourites still. Our record this season, one defeat in 18. That's league and cup. We are still the favourites. But this is harder than a lot of people might feel it's going to be. And I feel it is going to be harder than a lot of people think. But... I still think we are slight favourites, even though we're playing away. I still think we're, we're favourites. Mm. I mean, even during their bad run, they always had talented players going forward, which meant they always carried the threat. They did concede a lot of goals. They've conceded 25 goals this season. So they are there to be got at, but their defence has improved as well during this run of form. Like we said, Newcastle are just going to have to be on top of their game. And I mean, hopefully Madison folds on Monday and doesn't have a good game at all. I mean, Newcastle have scouted him so much that they know exactly what he's about. So he can he can be afforded an off day in front of the watching eyes of the owners and the scouts, uh, hopefully, to help Newcastle get all three points. Um, it, it, it's funny, John, the last time Newcastle played Leicester down at the, the King Power, or whatever it is, it's called these days, um, was the 12th of December 2021, and Leicester won 4-0. And it was... It was the game after Newcastle had beaten Burnley, so they got their first game of this uh, first win of the season. First win, yeah, and then they've gone to Leicester and got absolutely annihilated. Like they looked, they just looked awful. And I don't think anyone could quite get their heads around it. Was Burnley the anomaly? You know, when you and Leicester was the reality. And I think the point here is just you look forward just over a year, and the difference is unbelievable. Oh, I mean, you know, I was going to say that Newcastle team would struggle to get that win against Burnley. That Newcastle team was a terrible team, both mentally up here as well as ability. You know, they were decimated up there. They, they were non-believers. Uh, and Leicester were better then than they, they have been this season. So there is a huge difference. The biggest difference is in us, of course. And we go down. Let's put it another way. I don't expect to lose 4-0 on Boxing Day. Um, no, either. It, it's funny you mentioned the team. I've just I've just got up the, the team sheet for that game last year when Newcastle lost 4-0. Joe Linton and Callum Wilson started. Joe Willick, Miguel Almiron started. St. Maxman Shelby started. Uh, Fabian Cher started. So, you know, there's a chance that at least four, four of them will start against Leicester, you would think. I, 
but they're starting with the same name as they had then, but they're not the same player. Shaw didn't make the mistakes he made then. Uh, Almiron didn't score goals then, and he does now. Um, Joe Linton was hasn't the impact that he's that he's made since. While there's a lot of the same names there, I wouldn't recognise them as the same player. But the, the, the question there is, how? Like, how, well, how's the answer? Eddie Howe. <laughs> it's similar to that. That was not intended, that. That's very, very I good. I know it know. wasn't, but I thought I would take it up because <laughs> it is the answer. Yeah, it is. It's as simple as that. And, you know, the confidence is one thing, believing in the players. And then, obviously, the work on the training ground, the tactics, the fitness, all rolling into this one kind of ball of goodness at St James's Park in Newcastle. And hopefully, they'll pick up the, the win against Leicester. Um, What's the score going to be? Or what's the result going to be? We'll get back on the great, swing of things. Great question. Um, first and foremost, I would like to say that if Newcastle don't lose, it's a good result. Uh, if Newcastle don't lose, it's a good result because it'll only be one defeat in 19 then. If they get a draw, it's a good result. But I've got a, I've got a feeling they can just sneak it and will sneak it. And I, I'm saying sneak it with the emphasis on sneaking it. Not dominated, but... I can, I'm going for them to sneak a victory, but I, I've got to say that not losing would be a good result. Because if they don't lose, it's one out of 19 for this season and they're coming home to Leeds. Um, so, you know, it would be a good result not to lose, but I've got a feeling they can sneak it. But I do think for the first time, Andrew, I do think, you don't you get feelings in your water and your blood, don't you? I, I've just got a feeling that this is going to be as tough a game on the day as we've had for a little while. On the day, if you know what I mean. When you castle, it's that's not necessarily a bad thing, is it? Sometimes you need no, it isn't. It refreshed in the mind. You, you've got to face you. those days and you've yeah. got to show the character to come away with it. And by the way, I don't want us necessarily to be the entertainers on Boxing Day. It's not our job to produce a, Chris, a Christmas cracker. It's our job not to get beat, and it's our job to win. So, and, and if we do that down there, that'll do for me, whichever way it comes round. Yeah. And it can't be penalties, but if it's an own goal, I'll take that again. Exactly. If it's a penalty, you'll take it. Three points is what we want, and fingers Correct. crossed we will get it. Other than St. Maxman coming in for Joe Willick, in your view, the team remains as it as oh, it yes, yes. It's two changes if you take the positional one. It's one change in personnel uh, with uh, Willock out and um, him coming in. I, I don't see a need. Pope's going to be. The back four's played as the back four for an eternity with Burnett left back. You're going to go Bruno. Interesting that I'm suggesting we keep with Longstaff. Uh, and Joe Linton. I mean, he made the reputation he's got now when he switched the middle of the park. And I think his physical presence there is huge. And I would like to see him there again. And one, for two reasons. His physical presence in there and the fact we have somebody to play outside left. And Maxi, and you can't hold Maxi back. He's going to have to start again at some stage. And this seems an ideal time to do it. Of course, you're going to go with Wilson and Almeiden because they're getting the goals this season. But the other one, for me, would be Maxi. So, so really, Maxi for Willick would be my only change. Fantastic stuff. Well, to finish off then, John, I'm going to bring up on the screen. So for you, those guys on YouTube, you will be able to see this. I'll read this out for those listening on the podcast. 
This is Newcastle United's Christmas list for last Christmas. So I put this out on uh, our Facebook page, on the Chronicle Live NUFC Facebook page. Um, I'll read the list out. It was to pick up some wins. It was to get out of the drop zone. It was to have a busy January window, some Callum Wilson goals, Joe Linton's form continues, and a run in the FA Cup. So out of that list, a run in the FA Cup did not come about because Newcastle were knocked out by Cambridge in embarrassing fashion. Um, but they did pick up some wins. They did get out of the drop zone. They had a busy January window. Callum Wilson found some goals. And Joe Linton's form to this day continues. It's not a bad list, John. Santa must have been listening. It wasn't watching. a bad list, but it's a, a, realism's an amazing thing, isn't it? That was the height of our ambition last last year. And by the way, that was ambitious because we were going down. Hmm. We were going down. So that was an ambitious list. But when you look at it now... I mean, half of those more like, you wouldn't wouldn't be on the list this year. Get out the drop zone. Uh, I mean, they don't call the top four the drop zone, do they? And so you know that doesn't apply. Um, I mean, it's a different wish list this year to then. We oh, don't 100%. need a busy January in the transfer market. It would be nice to get a, to a couple in, three in, and we might well do that. But that list changed. That list now reads, for me, I want to win the League Cup. I want to get into Europe. Um, whether that's Champions League or Europe, and, and, and preferably the Champions League. Uh, the one that I want to be the same is that uh, I know it said uh, Callum Wilson to continue scoring goals. I, I, for me, it would be Callum Wilson continuing to stay fit. Because if he stays fit, he will score goals. Uh, I just want him to stay fit. I don't want him to end up with a great goals per game record, but his his games played is only fifteen. Um, so for me, win the league cup, get into Europe. Wilson stays fit, and and I was going to say we get a centre forward in January, uh, and I still think that, but. Let's put it this way. Isaac, it's 60 million, might be that centre forward in January because that's when he would come back because I don't think we'll, we'll see him before then. Um, so on that list would be Isaac to stay fit as, as well as, as Wilson because we need yeah. that. And by the way, I haven't forgotten about the FA Cup because uh, we've got a, a nice draw in the FA Cup. Uh, we may be away, but we'll stand for that. You cannot get through every round at home. So let's have a dip at that as well. Yeah, 100%. So a great list there from John. Let me know what your list would consist of in the comments or on Twitter. Uh, I would love to see what your hopes and dreams are for Newcastle going into 2023. Um, John, just to, just to sign off, then we usually get a nice Christmas message from yourself. We're going to go a couple of days early, but... Um, Give me your Christmas message to the listeners and to the viewers. Yeah, I, I think the Christmas message is that I don't need to look at your jumper to have a wide smile on my face. That would have been the only smile I would have had a year ago. But this year, I've got a wide smile on my face because we've had one defeat in 18. We've had seven wins on the bounce and one beaten in the last 12. That's put this smile on the face. So when I say Merry Christmas... And Happy New Year to all our listeners and readers. I know they'll have that if we continue in the vein we're already in. This Christmas is like somebody's opened the window and let the sun in. Whereas a year ago, 
withdrew the curtains because it was raining outside. It's a different world completely to then. We will enjoy it because we're in a new world. You know, Santa Claus arrived in the in the uh, the Freemary House. So, um, yeah, it's a Christmas that we'll look forward to. May we have as good 2023 as we've had 2022 because we revived in 2022 last year and then have stormed this year. We let us indulge ourselves because we haven't done it for a decade and a half. So we can't call her greedy if we want to get fat this Christmas. Just on your list, I did note that you didn't have anything about Miguel Almiron. No no wish that he continues his form. Is that because you're confident he's going to do it? He doesn't need to be on Santa's list? Next question. Um, I, I think the, it goes without saying that I want everybody to continue their form. Uh, I'll believe in everybody when they do continue their form. <clears throat> By the way, Miggy, if you're listening, I wish you all the best. I hope you scored 20 goals by the end of the season and you've scored the winner in the League Cup final for us. Because, you know, I just said the winner in the League Cup final, so it means we've won the Cup. I don't mind if the winner in the League Cup final at Wembley is an own goal again. Uh, I'm not a proud man. I'm just wanting to win something. I hope Miggy does great. Um, I'm not going down the bookies to put too much money on it yet. Um I mean, neither am I going down the bookies to say that Chris Wood will get into double figures this season in terms of goals. He might if we get 10 penalties because he's a very good penalty taker. But um, when he, luckily, he was waved for offside last night. But if you saw that shot that, that he had when there was a cross from Miggy and he put it in open goal with just the goalkeeper in, he put it so high over the bar, I thought it was Johnny Wilkinson in the old days for Newcastle Falcons doing his conversion. Um, but we don't want to dwell on that. By the way, Chris, if you want to go on in the League Cup final at Wembley and score the winner, I don't mind that area. Uh, but all the best to everybody. Happy Christmas. Happy New Year. Let's bask in it for the rest of the season. This might be the first Christmas message, John, in three or four years that we've done it, that you haven't actually uttered the words, keep the faith. I know, because we all keep the faith now, because we can. That was a cry of despair in the past. Despite what's going on in our name, under a certain owner and a certain manager, keep the faith. It's easy to keep the faith now, because it, it, you've just got to look at the league table and the, the league cup position, etc., etc., and you keep the faith automatically. In the old days, why they keep it despite what was happening. And I just want to say... Merry Christmas to you guys and have a really good new year. Me, myself, uh, John, Aaron, Lee, Kieran, everyone that's uh, featured on the podcast over the last 12 months, we just want to say thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you very much for all your comments, for, the, for all your ratings and reviews, for subscribing. We, uh, we love getting the emails in. We love reading your comments, your feedback, uh, your constructive criticism. So thank you very much for following us. We'll be back in 2023 with loads more shows, loads more content. Hopefully, fingers crossed, uh, maybe a special from when leaving Newcastle do manage to reach the League Cup final. Um, we're just really looking forward to what the joining transfer window holds and just the future of Newcastle United. So thank you very much, as always, for tuning in. We really, really do appreciate it. Have a great Christmas and a fantastic New Year from me and John and everyone else involved with everything that's Black and White podcast. Thank you very much. All the best and keep the faith.